Please follow with me as I read the 13th Psalm, Psalm 13, verses 1 through 6. How long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long shall I take counsel in my soul, having sorrow in my heart daily? How long will my enemy be exalted over me? Consider and hear me, O Lord, my God. Enlighten my eyes, lest I sleep the sleep of death. Lest my enemies say I have prevailed against him. Lest those who trouble me rejoice when I am moved. But I have trusted in your mercy. My heart shall rejoice in your salvation. I will sing to the Lord because he has dealt bountiful with me. As uh, Roy mentioned earlier, uh, we are grateful uh, to have guests with us today in our assembly and we hope that you will feel welcome and that you'll come back and be with us again whenever the opportunity uh, comes your way. It was uh, 22 years ago this week that uh, at about 2 o'clock in the morning the telephone uh, woke us up. And it's never, it's never good news uh, when that happens. The news was at that time that my dad was on his way to the hospital. And uh, it was a drill that we had been through uh, many times before uh, because uh, he had uh, heart problems. And so we had, we had seen this happen. And so uh, my brother was just simply letting me know what was happening and that he would keep me posted uh, because we, we were some distance away at the time. Well, about a half hour later, the phone rang again. Uh, but the news was that this time he didn't make it. Two days later, I stood beside his grave, longing to have him back. It was one of those times when I personally struggled to understand. I was only 25 at the time. And it just didn't make sense. It didn't seem fair. It didn't seem right. And I suspect that you've been there too. Maybe it wasn't death specifically, but it was simply some other time, some other period, some other event, when perhaps you were staggered by things that you could not explain and frustrated by problems that you could not fix. Maybe it was one of those times when you just simply felt useless. You know, King David was there. The sweet psalmist of Israel understood that feeling. Many believe that the 13th Psalm David wrote while he was running for his life from King Saul, who was seeking to murder him. It was a period of life when David was constantly having to deal with what 
he thought may have been the end of his life. He had little peace, little rest, his life in constant jeopardy. David struggled himself to figure it all out. It just didn't make sense. Psalm 13 lets us see the heart of David. But not just that. The psalm also gives us instruction for those times in our lives when life just doesn't make sense. Only two major points today. But we'll try to flesh them out as best we can. In the first place, when life doesn't make sense, grief is natural. When life doesn't make sense, grief is natural. You will grieve. In verses 1 through 4, David expresses that grief. And he, he does it in a number of ways, and so let's explore them ourselves. So under the major part that grief is natural, consider the circumstances in which David grieved and in which we will grieve. Grief is natural in the first place when there is no end in sight. Ever felt that way? Ever felt like you were facing some difficulty and there was no way that you could figure out when it was going to come to an end? David felt that way when he began in verse number 1 by asking, How long, O Lord? Look at verse 1. How long, O Lord? That implies that David viewed his difficulty as a prolonged period. Misery has a tendency to make the time drag. And maybe you've wondered it yourself, How long, God? We ask the question often today. It just comes in different forms. How long, O oh Lord, will illness torment me or my family? How long, O oh Lord, might my family be divided? How long, O oh Lord, is my marriage going to suffer? How long, O oh Lord, will my grief overwhelm me? How long, O oh Lord, will my bank account be empty? How long, O oh Lord, must my husband be out of work? How long? When there seems to be no end in sight, you'll grieve. In the second place, grief is natural when it seems like God doesn't care. Grief is natural when it seems like God doesn't care. Notice again, Psalm 13, end of verse 1, David asks, Will you forget me? Forever? Have you forgotten me? Will it be forever? You know, to contemplate God forgetting us even for a moment would be devastating enough. But what torment of soul must we go through when we think not that God has merely cast us off for a moment, but that God is casting us off forever. When it seems like God doesn't care, you will grieve. David wonders here if God has been so repelled himself 
by those calamities that David was facing that even God was refusing to look. What else can a person do but grieve when they entertain the thought that God just does not care? In the third place, grief is natural when nothing that you try works. When nothing that you try works, you're going to grieve. Notice back again in Psalm 13. Look at verse 2. How long must I take counsel in my soul? One translation reads, How long must I arrange plans in my soul? David was being tossed on a sea of doubt and confusion. And in the process of that, he evidently was formulating plan after plan of how to deal with all the problems he was facing, but none of them seemed to work. And so he asked, God, how long am I going to arrange all of these plans and for what? How long? When nothing that you try works, grief is natural. In the next place, you will grieve when there's no joy in your heart. Back to Psalm 13, verse 2. How long must I take counsel in my soul and have sorrow in my heart all the day? When the joy has been removed from your heart, you're going to grieve. There is no respite, it seems, from the anguish of soul that David was going through. Maybe you've been there too. In the next place, grief is natural when it seems that nothing deters your enemies. Again, verse 2, the end of the verse, How long shall my enemy be exalted over me? David was dealing with a, a, a physical enemy, a, a personage, an individual. If indeed the Bible students are correct that this psalm was written at that point in David's life when Saul was seeking his life, David was wondering about that particular enemy and, and, and Saul's henchmen who were all searching for him. And so David wanted to know how long must these enemies be exalted over me? They seem to be getting the upper hand. We can have enemies that come to us in a lot of forms. Sometimes it is people. Sometimes regardless of how you try to live your life the best way possible and you try to be a good neighbor and a good person, sometimes there are some people that just won't let you be that. And so you wonder about how long those types of enemies will have the upper hand. You know, those aren't the only kinds of enemies we face. Sometimes the enemy that people faces is disease, physical ailments. Maybe it's the after effects of an accident of some kind, physical pain, anguish. Sometimes it may be mental or emotional difficulties and anguish, things that people fight on that level day after day. Enemies can come in all kinds of shapes and forms. And when it seems in life that our enemies, whatever they may be, if they seem to be getting the upper hand, you're going to grieve. 
It's going to bother you. And you may ask God the same question, how long? In the next place, grief is natural when it seems like God is ignoring you. If for whatever reason you entertain the thought that God's just not paying attention to you, that will upset your world. That will cause you to grieve. Look at David again, Psalm 13, verse 3 and also verse 4. David says, Consider and answer me, O Lord my God. Lie up my eyes, lest I sleep the sleep of death, lest my enemies say, I have prevailed over him, lest my foes rejoice because I'm shaken. David seems to be recognizing the fact that, that he's weak. And he seems to be coming across here as, as desperate because he doesn't want the enemy to win. He doesn't want the enemy at last to be able to say, I have prevailed. And David seems to be indicating in his language here that he feels like that may be on its way. The enemy's victory, I mean. Because he says in the latter part of verse 4, lest my foes rejoice because I'm shaken. David seems to be saying, God, I'm, I'm teetering here. I don't know how much longer I can hold up. And I don't want my enemy to get the upper hand and for the enemy to win. And so he says in verse 3, Consider my plight. Answer me, O God. David seems to be saying, I will not allow myself to be forgotten. And so he prays to God, Lighten my eyes. Brighten my face. Grant me some sense of joy, lest I die under the weight of this difficulty and my enemy finally wins. When it seems to you like God is not paying attention, you're going to grieve. When life just doesn't make sense, grief is natural. Number two, when life doesn't make sense, faith is essential. Grief is natural, yes, but faith is essential. Back to Psalm 13. Look at verse 5. After all of that, after all of the expressions of grief, David comes back and he says, But I have trusted. Faith is essential. I have trusted. When life doesn't make sense, that's what you do. That's what you have to do. You simply throw yourself at the merciful nature of God. And based on everything that you know about Him, based upon everything that you understand 
from His Word that He has revealed about Himself and everything that you have personally experienced in your life of God's goodness and mercy and grace, you simply turn it over to Him and trust that He will work it out even though it doesn't make sense to you. That is so easy to say. but oh, so hard to do. Yet that's still the answer. Think about, think about again what David said in the early part of the psalm. When there seems to be no end in sight, yes, you'll grieve. How long, O oh Lord? But faith is essential. And so when there seems to be no end in sight, we have to work on our perspective. And we have to try to bring our emotions into harmony with our knowledge. We can't allow those two things to get in the, in the wrong place. Too many times we let our emotions, which are very fickle, to lead us around when instead we need to try to rein those in and allow the emotions to be guided by what we know to be true. And so even though it may seem like there's no end, and we may wonder how long, we must try to put our trust and confidence in God. And based upon what He says, we know that at some point there will be an end. Our suffering will not last forever. And we may not know when that end is going to come. But God's told us it will. And so, when our perspective is not what it should be, we need to try to work on changing that. Paul would describe our current afflictions as being but for a moment. 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 17. We're going to talk about that perspective a little more tonight, the Lord willing, at 6 o'clock. But when there seems to be no end in sight, we work on our perspective. When it seems that God doesn't care, David thought that. Have you cast me off forever? And so when you think that God doesn't care, yes, you're going to grieve, but faith is essential, and so we need to come back and reaffirm reality. Though we may feel like God doesn't care, the truth of the matter is He does. Casting all your care upon Him, for He cares for you. 1 Peter 5, 7. I will not leave you nor forsake you. Hebrews 13, verse 5. It may seem like God doesn't care. But we must reaffirm reality and trust that He does. When nothing you try works, yes, you'll grieve. But faith is essential. And so when nothing you try works, you just keep trying. Let us not grow weary in well-doing. For in due season we shall reap if we faint not. Galatians 6.9 When there's no joy in your heart, you'll grieve. But you must try to focus on those things that are positive. As Paul instructed in Philippians 4 verse 8, things that are good and 
honorable and praiseworthy. God is good all the time. Even when we face difficulties, even when life doesn't make sense, even when it seems like everything about our existence is crumbling around us, that doesn't mean that God is no longer good. God is always good. It's just when we don't understand that we have to simply trust Him and look for the good. When nothing seems to be deterring your enemies, you'll grieve, but have faith because God will ultimately deal with those enemies. God told the prophet Habakkuk, chapter 1, verses 5 and 6, when that prophet wondered what was going on in the world, he couldn't figure it out either. And he cried out to God for some kind of an answer. God actually spoke to that prophet and God's answer was this. I'm working a plan in your day that you would not believe if I told you what it was. Habakkuk 1, verses 5 and 6. God sees what we don't. I encourage you to read the article in the bulletin today that addresses that exact point. We don't see the big picture. And that frustrates me sometimes. But that's when I have to go back and reassess what my life is supposed to be. We live life not based upon answers all the time. God's given us some answers. He just hasn't given us all of them. Ultimately, our lives are based on trusting the one that we know has the answers. And so when it seems that nothing is deterring your enemies, trust. God will deal with all of those enemies. And according to Paul in 1 Corinthians 15, the last of those enemies to be destroyed will be death. And so even that enemy will meet its end. Trust. When it seems that God is ignoring you, yes, you'll grieve, but you must believe. And so you keep praying. Then ought always to pray and never to lose heart. Luke 18, 1. Pray without ceasing. 1 Thessalonians 5, 17. It may seem like God is ignoring you, but God Himself has told us in His Word, I will not ignore you. And so you keep praying. And you trust that God will hear and that He will answer in a perfect way, even if it's in a way that we personally don't understand. We trust anyway.
And so after all of that, all those questions that David asked, how long, Lord, how long is this going to be the case? And how long must I deal with this and this and this? David then says in verse 5, but I've trusted. I don't know all the answers to those questions. And I wonder how long it's going to be the way it is. And so when life did not make sense to David, yes, he grieved. And that was natural. That was to be expected. But then he said, but I trusted. He didn't say I ultimately understood it. He said, but I trusted anyway. And then he said, end of verse 5, back to Psalm 13, end of verse 5, he said, My heart shall rejoice in your salvation. That's what happens when you trust. The relief is great when you can cast onto our loving God the burdens that are too great for us to bear. And he says, I will sing, verse 6, to the Lord, because He has dealt bountifully with me. I'll sing. I'll worship. And so how was it that David was able to climb out of that deep valley of agony and that inner torment of soul to the mountaintop of worship and praise and singing? Do you see what a big difference there is in verse 1 and verse 6? How did David make that journey? By the uplifting power of faith. Verse 5 is the key. I trusted. I trusted. I imagine every one of us could echo the tearful words of that father in Mark 9, verse 24, who was wrestling with his own faith in a time of heavy, deep stress. When that father's child needed Jesus to do something, that father said in Mark 9, 24, I believe, help my unbelief. Our adversary will try everything that he can possibly do to so confuse us that we just want to give up. There will be times when life just does not make sense. But when those times happen, we have a choice to make. We can turn our attention, we can turn our faith to the only one who knows what we don't. Or we can turn the opposite direction to one who will do nothing but cause you more confusion and more heartache. When life doesn't make sense, you will grieve but you must believe. How's your faith today? If your faith is strong enough 
to prompt you to action, then don't pass up this opportunity. If you're not a Christian, Jesus died to give you faith, to give you something to believe in, to give you hope. But don't let His death and resurrection be for nothing as far as you're concerned. Embrace what He's offering you. Come in faith. Come willing to turn from your sins and be immersed in water to have your sins washed away by His saving blood. Christian, how's your faith? If it's weak, turn to the only one who can strengthen it. Pray to God. I believe. Help my unbelief. Do as the disciples did in Luke 17 when Jesus gave them some very difficult teaching and they said, Lord, increase our faith. That may need to be your prayer today. If it is, make it. If we may pray with you, then let us know what your need is. We invite you to come as we stand and sing together.